0: This podcast series is based on a book called Beyond Reasonable Greed, Why Sustainable Business is a Much Better Idea, by Wayne Visser and Clem Sumter, read by myself, Wayne Visser. Key uncertainties Key uncertainties are those variables that could go one way or the other. They are the key pivot points on which the future swivels. It is critical that we explore these because often their outcome depends partially on our choices and actions over the short term as well as longer term factors beyond our control. However, it is just as crucial to realize that the future contains unknown unknowns. These wild cards come out of the blue and can make a huge difference. In other words, beware of placing too much faith in our powers of foresight The future can always surprise us. With the qualification just expressed in mind, we have identified seven key uncertainties. Willingness to share power, the direction of innovation, economic and trade policy developments, political maturity, the rate of environmental decline, social unrest, and lifestyle choices. Willingness to Share Power One of the things that made South Africa's transition to democracy so remarkable was that F. W. de Klerk was prepared to surrender his position of supreme power as president in the interests of the country's future. He had the strategic insight to realize that holding on to power in a pariah state would sooner or later result in civil war and unnecessary bloodshed. The temporary power-sharing arrangement negotiated between de Klerk and Nelson Mandela was the only sane solution, but it took great courage and vision to let go of control and begin to trust those formerly regarded as enemies. Business faces the same dilemma. Either they continue to cling to their already awesome power and dominance in the world at the expense of future environmental and social sustainability. Or they have the wisdom to start sharing that power with developing countries, with local communities, with environmental interest groups, and so on. The key uncertainty is the extent to which lion-minded businesses will realize that their current winner-takes-all path is a path towards self-destruction, and that power sharing is the only sustainable way forward. Equally, A key uncertainty overhangs the attitude of the West, particularly America, in promoting a more democratic system of world governance. Will the UN Security Council be modified with this in mind? The direction of innovation. The techno-scientific boom is a rule of the game. What remains uncertain, however, is the direction that this spring tide of innovation is going to make. In the same way that nuclear energy can power whole cities while nuclear weapons can destroy them in seconds, we are increasingly faced with ethical choices in our use of technology. Some types of biotechnology can help clean up pollution, while other kinds increase the dependence of already marginalized farmers on multinational chemical companies. On the one hand, more powerful personal computers combined with faster internet access, has enabled small business to carve out global niches in a way that would have been impossible 20 years ago. On the other hand, software development in procurement programs has allowed large companies to rationalize the number of their suppliers, which has resulted in many small companies being struck off the list. To some extent, technology is neutral. The direction in which we develop and apply it, however, is anything but neutral. Consider the current debate on the pros and cons of genetically modified food or the cloning of human beings, for example. Guided by the principles of sustainability, some of these dilemmas become less ambiguous. Expand the use of carbon-based fossil fuels by subsidization or invest in renewable energy. The former is environmentally unsustainable, so the answer is obvious install high-tech manufacturing facilities in a country with high unemployment, or support labor-intensive methods. The former is socially unsustainable, so the solution is self-evident, or at least it should be in the future. The uncertainty lies in the extent to which governments and financial markets and ordinary consumers are going to support this trend towards sustainable technology economic and trade policy developments. Will we see economic reforms that put a cost on environmental degradation through eco-taxes or that help to lift people out of the poverty trap through basic income grants? Will speculators be given free rein to wreak havoc with international markets and national economies or will they be reined in through Tobin taxes? Will parallel currencies be supported and promoted as a way of empowering local communities? How will we balance the interests of pension funds, life insurance companies, and other institutional shareholders who need gains in the stock prices to run their businesses effectively against the need to create incentives for companies to become more elephant like in their approach to all stakeholders? Will the monetary system be adapted to give greater access to capital to entrepreneurs and communities, or will excessively high interest rates and the overhang of foreign debt continue to thwart economic development in developing countries? The difficulties experienced by Argentina highlight how key this uncertainty is. Likewise, the way in which the rules of international trade evolve will either support lion-like behavior or be sensitive to elephants' needs the World Trade Organization smacks of an exclusive feline club established by the already dominant players with only their own interests in mind? Will it pry open new markets no matter what the cost is to the vulnerable countries concerned? Or will it be counterbalanced by the fair trade movement which is more concerned with sharing the benefits of trade equitably and sustainably? On a different note, will sustainability-oriented certification and labelling schemes become part and parcel of the international trading system in order to allow trading partners to differentiate between lion and elephant companies? Political maturity. If countries were children, we would not hesitate to tell some of them in no uncertain terms to stop their petty squabbles and temper tantrums, to cut out their selfish, brattish behavior, and to quit their senseless, destructive ranting. The disquieting flare-up of nationalistic, regional, cultural, and religious rivalries is a key uncertainty that can destroy all of the best intentions for a sustainable world. Whether it's Zimbabwe's troubles, the Middle Eastern conflict, Ireland's bloody sibling rivalry, or the West versus Islam, the threat to social and environmental sustainability is very real. To create a sustainable future, politicians and countries will need to grow up. They have to be big enough to put their ideological differences aside, to allow wounds of the past to heal, and to realize that the only viable future is one in which everybody compromises To keep the peace and share the prosperity. This may sound like starry eyed wishful thinking, but that's exactly how the political miracle brokered between Mandela and de Klerk in South Africa sounded in the early 1990s. Then again, as any parent will attest, children are a notoriously unpredictable lot, and some never seem to grow up. In the global kindergarten, the possibility of some regional conflict getting out of hand, for example India and Pakistan ending up in a nuclear exchange, is considerable. We don't have the two teachers that we used to have in charge of the classroom. When a regional dispute arose during the old Cold War days, America took one side and the Soviet Union the other, and somehow they contained the situation. Even when we came close to nuclear war over the Cuban Missile Crisis, sense prevailed in the end. Nowadays, America does not want to commit its young men to conflicts which have nothing to do with America's interests. Russia has troubles of its own, and the United Nations is simply too weak and too stretched to cope. Against this backdrop, nuclear proliferation continues unchecked, which means the boys in the classroom have some very dangerous toys. The rate of environmental decline. The current decline of virtually every ecosystem on the planet is only in dispute by those who choose, usually for conveniently selfish reasons, to turn a blind eye to the overwhelming body of scientific evidence that is mounting up day by day. Facts and figures aside, it is common sense. Virtually every substance on the earth is a potential poison. It is just a matter of concentration. In other words, there is a certain threshold beyond which almost all substances are toxic to life, including the human body. Since everything on earth disperses, but nothing disappears, our biggest problem is that persistent substances, like many chemicals and heavy metals, are steadily building up in our environment. It's only a matter of time before they become toxic. We are reminded of the African tale of the Earth Mother placing a fig tree into the care of a troop of monkeys. However, the monkeys not only ate the fruit, they stripped the bark and broke off all the branches as well. In other words, they went beyond reasonable greed. When the Earth Mother returned, the fig tree had withered and died and the skeletons of the monkeys lay scattered on the ground. What is uncertain is the rate of environmental decline. And exactly when we will start to feel the system biting back, when crop yields will plummet or fishing stocks pass the point of no return, or wild swings in weather patterns become the norm, or chemicals in the environment start manifesting as health defects in humans. The natural step calls these feedback loops hitting the walls of the funnel. Another uncertainty is whether it will be too late to take corrective action by the time the problem becomes obvious. For instance, even if the whole world stopped emitting greenhouse gases tomorrow, we would still feel the effects of the damage already done for centuries to come. Will we be like the many species who perished in the last ice age? By the time they noticed the temperature change, they could not adapt quickly enough. Social unrest. The past 100 years of industrial development have been building up to a situation of intolerable social inequity. The widening gap between the haves and the have-nots, now exacerbated by the digital divide, is a breeding ground for social discontent. We should be heeding the lessons of history. After all, how many popular revolts have been directed against unjust rule and too great a concentration of wealth and power. And yet, this is exactly the kind of situation we find in our world today, between the first and third worlds, between billionaire tycoons and slave wage workers, between the Wabenzi, the Mercedes-driving politicians, and their starving unemployed constituents. Are the anti-globalization protests of Seattle and the terror attacks of September 11th merely a hint of what is to come? How much longer will the billions of poor people in developing countries put their faith in the hollow promises of the trickle-down economics of globalization? Can the materialistic goals of American free market capitalism ever be reconciled with the cultural traditions of the Islamic Middle East? We are at a critical stage in the world's history, somewhere just below the boiling point, when a few degrees one way or the other could make all the difference. The difference between social unrest boiling over or simmering down. However, there is something that moves social unrest straight up the uncertainty charts to a prime position. The change in the mathematics of destruction. It is now quite possible for some shadowy cult of extremely evil people to gain access to weapons of mass destruction, nuclear, biological or chemical. E equals MC squared is a genie which will never be put back in the bottle. Extremist cults and terrorist organizations will exploit social unrest as a launch pad for their evil deeds. Thus a requirement for a peaceful world is a level of social stability which allows nations to cooperate in establishing an effective global intelligence network against such criminals. Lifestyle choices. The simple illusion of lion-friendly capitalism that has kept most of the world under a spell for the last 50 years is that we can have our cake and eat it. Even sustainable development is twisted by politicians to mean more economic growth that will solve our social and environmental problems. However, when U.S. President George W. Bush pulls out of the Kyoto Protocol Agreement on climate change because it will hurt the American economy, we are left in no doubt as to the illusion that we were asked to accept. A switch to an elephant economy will require short-term sacrifices and investments that will only pay off down the line. A key uncertainty is whether individuals and companies and countries will follow a path leading to sustainable lifestyles, or whether we will shun the short-term sacrifices necessary for long-term environmental integrity and social well-being. How many of us will pay extra cash to have a catalytic converter fitted into our car's exhaust or to buy an electric vehicle? How many of us can afford it? Will our companies combat HIV and AIDS by making the required investment in educational programs, leading to behavioral change and the infrastructure required to deliver antiretroviral drugs to the community? Will our politicians eliminate perverse subsidies relating to unsustainable lifestyles and direct these towards social banking and renewable energy? There are a multitude of lifestyle choices that will shape our future.